All right, welcome to this episode of the Jetstream podcast. Really excited to have my guest uh, with us here today. We've got Ahan Isaacs, and he's the founder of a company called Growth Rhino. Really excited to uh, have you here, Ahan. Thanks for being here. No, pleasure's all mine. Yeah, so a little bit about Ahan. He's the founder of Growth Rhino, a sales agency that works with SaaS companies to build scalable outbound engines. Uh, over the past 12 months, he's taken the agency from zero to 25K in MRR, completely bootstrapped with a distributed team of seven people from all over the world. Congrats on that. Really exciting to hear that. Uh, yeah, thanks. Prior to running the agency, Ahan worked as a BDR at a number of different early stage startups, followed by doing a number of consulting jobs. Uh, and he's a certified conversion optimization from CXL Institute and holds a master's in innovation and entrepreneurship from Ryerson University. Uh, Ahan, again, thanks for being here. Really great to have you. Uh, maybe we can start this off by getting you to talk a little bit about what Growth Rhino is and what you're doing there. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, just a bit about Growth Rhino. First of all, also thanks for the introduction. Uh, yeah, Growth Rhino is a sales agency that I started about a year ago. We work with early stage SaaS companies, most of the time in B2B, uh, and we build out their outbound programs and other any other growth initiatives that they want. Uh, typical company size is like, you know, it's an early stage, maybe one to 10. Um, it's usually the founder or maybe the head of sales. Uh, the company would have raised maybe 500K to a million or they're generating some revenue within that range. Uh, so we usually step in and just help uh, streamline some of their uh, outbound processes, if that makes sense. Yeah, very cool. I mean, it sounds similar to, you know, what we're doing at Jetstream, right? From the marketing side, we're, we're looking at how do we actually grow revenue uh, how do we make things happen and how do we create real growth in dollars, not just in users or employees? Uh, how do we drive revenue? Uh, so maybe we can we can start there. Uh, tell us a little bit about the things you've learned uh, about revenue growth over your career and uh, through Growth Rhino. Yeah, I think like over the last 12 months, I've just <laughs> learned a ridiculous amount of items. Uh, you know, once you, once you actually go into the driver's seat of like running your own business and trying to figure out what's the best way to drive revenue, um, your mindset changes completely. Absolutely. Uh, but but there's a few different things I've learned. I'll start with one, like one that comes to mind is that like people have this misconception, especially in today's age is like, hey, if I do this one thing right, I'll be able to drive an X amount of leads and those X amount of leads will convert into opportunities and those opportunities will convert into deals. Uh, not saying that's wrong, but that's just one part of a puzzle or the story you know the first thing i really learned is like revenue is not it's an om, it's always and going forward will be an omni-channel uh approach like if you don't have an omni-channel uh, strategy or approach and it doesn't matter what stage you're at like you just want scale uh it's simple as that it will take you time to figure out what's working mm -hmm. but if you have a single channel it's only a matter of time you exhaust that channel or a competitor goes and uh, performs at that channel better than you. Uh, so I think that's one of the most critical things uh, I've learned <laughs> the, the, the very hard way. Sorry, just keep going. Oh. I should have told you before. I'll, I'll edit this part out. But okay. uh, yeah, just share the three, three points uh, okay, and then, okay, and then I'll ask questions yeah. after that. Uh, okay, for sure. So, um, that, so anyway, Mike, that was point number one. Uh, I guess the, the second point that comes to mind is like the, the key uh, or the emphasis on experimentations uh, across multiple channels. 
um, like I said earlier, you need to have an omni-channel approach and like you need to start from somewhere. So at our agency, we predominantly focus on outbound, but you know, for some of the clients, we also think about like, hey, like how does outbound combine with something like content? How does mm-hmm. it work with paid? How does it work with uh, SEO for that matter? Like there's a lot of different ways uh, to go about it. So you just need to start and like, you need, and I, I emphasize this, like you need to start by doing like realistic experiments. Don't go and be like, okay, can I go and acquire a hundred leads from this new channel, which I've never experimented. Like I have no idea. Mm-hmm. If it's a new channel, like, be like, hey, can I drive one lead from this in a week or spending like a hundred bucks, right? Like come up with something that actually makes sense, right? Um, what doesn't make sense is like, hey, let me go run a bunch of Facebook ads to get demos for my enterprise software. So like, uh, or so maybe LinkedIn might be better. Like, I don't know, but you need to really just test, 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 right? Um, I guess the third principle I'll leave you on this is, and like we, we talk about this quite a bit at, uh, at my agency and I know a number of other people talk about this is, but the whole notion of sales and marketing working together. Uh, that really, 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 really that happens. And I'm seeing that at big companies, small companies, and that that's understandable because like marketing has sometimes their own agenda and their own initiative. Sales have their own targets and initiatives. And it really takes like, you know, you need one person to really own it and say like, hey, this is what sales are working on. This is what marketing works on. Let's decipher it and try to put it together. Um, so obviously it'll change per industry, per account, but like, I really think that, you know, some of them are working in isolation when they put them together, that's going to be extremely impactful. So uh, those are kind of like some three takeaways I've had uh, over the past 12 months. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I really I want to kind of hold in on that last point there. Cause I see that a lot is with, with sales and marketing uh, you know, not really working together. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts on why that is uh, and, and I have some of my own uh, and also you know, what, what do you do about that? How do you, how do you get them working together? Or what have you seen that's maybe worked? Yeah, for sure. We can, we can talk about sales and marketing misalignment for ages, but like mm-hmm. generally, I think, again, it comes to like where the goals and uh, come into place in KPIs. If marketing has a KPI that's just driven by like MQLs, for instance, right? That like every organization is different or like the number of posts or the number of, whichever like a, a vanity metric that just sits on the wall then and sales has another kpi which is revenue then there's a misalignment what i've seen at other mm-hmm. organizations is marketing has a revenue target and they're directly attached to sales they're like hey we need to provide an x amount of leads to sales and at their conversion rate did you know what do you call, this is what they're able to produce. So we need to produce this, this amount of leads. And then I know some uh, organizations also comp marketers uh, based on their performance. Or So there's a lot of different tactics that can be said about there. And then one of the newer things that come up in, I would say in the last five years is the whole account-based marketing, account-based mm-hmm. sales approach, where sales and marketing are working together on a closed set amount of accounts where they're like, okay, fine, let's build a marketing and sales strategy around these hundred accounts. So I've seen that work uh, pretty well. Um, I, I think it's a challenge for newer companies who are like, hey, I just need one marketing manager and five sales rep, where it's like <laughs> the sales reps outplay the the marketing rep or vice versa, where I've been in an organization where there's like five marketing people, there's a brand marketer, content marketer, uh, 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 and all these other ones, and they themselves and their team is not aligned. So there's no way sales is going to get aligned with them. So like, 
there's a lot of different <laughs> ways to peel that onion. Yeah, and I really like what you said there about you know the KPIs. Those need to be in alignment. And I always think about uh, marketing and sales goals need to also be in alignment with the business's goals, right? If they start going in different 100%. directions and sales is after revenue and marketing's after leads, like you said, you know, those are two different goals. They need to make sure that they're aligned and brought together. Uh, but I also see, and this is a generalization, but marketers think differently than salespeople. They also act differently. Sometimes they're more reserved or more creative or, uh, you know, and this is a total generalization, but just generally they're different types of people that would take those types of roles. And sometimes it's really difficult to mesh them together. But if you can create a common goal uh, for all of them to, to work together on, you know, sometimes that can work. So I really like that point uh, on KPIs. Yeah, so I think it's not just like a common goal aspect. It's also the notion of, um, it's just making sure that there's the right, it's the right process as well. Like I've been in one organization where marketing was driv driving trial users, right? Through mm -hmm. a SaaS product, right? The first organization I was at, they were like, hey, trial users are not, like if, if me as a BDR go on prospect a trial user, that's not considered a lead. I'm like, well, how does that make sense? Because nobody's touching that individual. Like customer success isn't touching them. Like they're trial user. Like nobody, that person has had no touch point with the organization. And me as a BDR, if I go after them, like that's not considered a lead. But I went to another organization where they're like, hey, BDRs, all you have to do is go after trial users and get them to use the product, get them uh, get them more engaged, offer them help, be supportive, be helpful, and then book a meeting with the account executive and then that they will convert. You know, <clears throat> so the BDR was part, BDR sales, whichever was part of that funnel, which marketing was kind of leading. So uh, there's all sorts of like mechanisms and way to kind of do it. It really depends on how sales and marketing is structured internally and what that, maybe that process is a better word, structured between the two of them. Um, so it's, uh, that should enable a better form of alignment because in sales, a little bit reliant on marketing, but also they're part of the whole, they're part of the same process, right? Where you have two different processes where things start to go sideways uh, from my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I like what you said earlier as well about combining the efforts of marketing with sales. Uh, you know, if you're going to do outbound sales, uh, you know, you want to combine that with marketing. I think some people see that as an either or, like we're going to do marketing, we're going to do a bunch of content and create lots of traffic to our site, but we're not going to outbound and we're not going to necessarily have a yeah. strong sales team or they go the sales route and they don't do anything on the marketing side. Uh, and I can't remember where I heard it, but it was, it was a quote about marketing makes sales easier, right? And so yeah, if you can- sure. If you can outbound and someone's already heard of the company because they downloaded a white paper or read a blog post or saw you on YouTube, I think that that really strengthens the, the whole uh, process and the likelihood that you'll convert someone into a sale. So I really like that point. Yeah, for sure. And big, like, if you're planning to prospect big companies, they're going to look you up online. Like, you need to have mm -hmm. some sort of online presence, bare minimum. And it's very easy. Like, you and I work in tech, we understand, like, I can look at a website and be like, okay, is this fluff or not? Like I can go and pull up stuff on AREFs and SEMrush and like look at Rapalize, you look at the stack, whether this was built on Wix.com or it was a custom built website or this was a Squarespace website, right? Like it's not hard to do. So to your point, like it's really important that you do have both elements. And like, I think the reason people try to cheap out is A, they maybe they're just not educated enough like, on what one what one role should be doing versus the other, 
or they'd be like, hey, let me hire this one person and be like, let them just take care of the ball. And that's where it's just complete chaos, <laughs> where they try to do both. Like you have the salesperson trying to manage marketing and just they didn't know how. And I've seen that as well. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always look at marketing and, you know, not to say that every position isn't just one thing, but marketing is a lot of things. You know, we're asking people to understand design and analytics and, you know, marketing principles, maybe some little bit of tech, you know, so they'll, they'll hire one marketing manager, like you said, to six salespeople. And that marketing manager has to have all these different skills. It's a really difficult position to understand uh, and do well. And so if you, if you do, yeah, you know, kind of cheap out on, on, you know, how are you going to build your team and you, you think you're going to solve it with one marketing person, you may not, uh, you know, get the results that you want when you combine that with your sales team. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a, <laughs> the, we can talk about this for ages. There's a lot of different marketers out there and you can't like, there's no one size fit all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so I just want to loop back to the, the first point you make as well about uh, omni-channel and being on multiple channels, not just one. Uh, can you just unpack that a little bit more and, and, and explain, you know, maybe the specifics of, of what you mean by that and why that's important? Yeah, for sure. So like, like for us, we're an outbound agency. We predominantly do everything by cold email outreach. You know, for us, that's a singular channel, cold email outreach. Um, and even in being an agency, like, you know, think of our company, think of the channel. That's all like one-to-one, -one. um, like the reason you need to go omni is because there is like a you have to consider the competition but also you have to consider where your customer or your prospect is going to be so to i mentioned this earlier is like you know <clears throat> previously like i would do outbound and I'd, i only had a landing page as a website and it was very obvious it was like very growth and i know we built outbound programs like that's it so people would come to the website and they'd be like what the hell is this like where are your case studies what do you do like who are you, who are you for like and I'm like, oh, screw that. We just do all, all outbound. We're all about outbound, baby. Like we, I was like on the outbound bro club, if you want. Like, I don't know what it, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, right? Um, and then this quarter, you know, we did the, we redid the website. We spent a little bit on content. We, we just kind of gave a little bit of a facelift and it's made like a tremendous difference, right? So now when we run our outbound campaigns, people go to the website, be like, okay, these people are legit. You know, nobody ever like reads anything. Everyone scans the your card, the copy on the website and stuff. But like, they're like, okay, this looks legit. This person who's outbound to me seems genuine. Like, let me maybe book a meeting with them or let me sign up for their webinar or whatever, right? So the, I'm kind of monologuing here, but the importance of doing omni-channel is simply because your prospects are there and they're gonna look you up on like the, the usual suspects, LinkedIn, website, like depending on what industry you are, maybe Facebook slash Twitter, right? So sure. it's usually like a second or third so social handle, right? And the reason you want to be there is and ideally capture that interest is then you're part of that prospect journey. Um, so I think like there's a greater importance to be omni-channel, especially today, just because your buyer is going to like go the extra mile and try to figure that out. And especially if you're a higher ACV, nobody's just going to convert off a single, uh, let's say, a single prompt in one action because they saw you on email, they're going to convert into meeting like, They'll probably need to see you on email, LinkedIn, Twitter. Like they're probably going to need to see you yeah. three, four times across multiple channels, and then be like, "Holy crap! Okay, I've seen this person across thing. Like maybe they do have genuine value for me. Let me book a time for them, right?" So that's something to consider, right? Like one is competition, two is how your prospects are actually interacting on those respective platforms, 
uh, and three is like, what can you communicate in those respective platforms, mm. right? It's not about communicating the same message across the three because that won't work, right? Maybe LinkedIn, it's an ebook, on email, you're talking about some other value proposition. And if you, like some people use phone call, um, it's still very much part of the stack. Like the phone calling is another prompt too with another value proposition, right? So it's really about being strategic on how you use all of this. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, I, I like the acronym. I think Google uses it and it's talked a lot about in marketing about expertise, authority, and trust or EAT. And I think that's what you're doing is establishing expertise, authority, and trust across multiple platforms so that people kind of go, hey, they might be a trustworthy company or hey, they seem like they are legit. Uh, I like them. I'm going to explore this uh, a little bit further as well. So I think that's really great. Um, so, so you're obviously an agency owner and you've grown this company. Uh, over the past 12 months and you continue to grow it. Can you share some of the insights uh, you have on, on growing your agency uh, and, and the importance of creating a brand and some of the tactics that you've used? I think that those will be, you know, really relevant uh, insights that you can share uh, with the audience. Yeah, for sure. And I'll drop a link because I wrote an article recently on like the, these five principles, which you need to be, but it doesn't matter if you're a digital agency, a freelancer, a consultant, like these are like some five basic principles you need. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just go over them very high level and I can dive deeper. And like you already talked about this and we discussed it. Like the first thing is like, you need to build some sort of brand authority. Um, <clears throat> number two is you need to have some sort of subject matter expertise and focus. I think in the agency and consultancy or freelancer route, you need that level of focus because this is a saturated space. And what can you go toe to toe on? Like I am very comfortable to go toe to toe on anyone on outbound cold email. Give me a VP of sales from a fortune 500. I will go around, I will go 10, 15 rounds with them. You put me in someone with Facebook ads, I will run away like crazy. Uh, so like subject matter expertise is critical. Uh, number three is extremely important, which is um, especially in the services space, you cannot force the need. So what that means is you just because I cold email to you and be like, hey, do you need cold email services or do you need outbound sales services? And like you're interested in your, it's it's coming in your timeline. Like I can't do anything to accelerate that. Like my role now in the prospect journey and my role as a sales rep or, or for that matter is to stay top of mind and really be in touch with you. And that's kind of what principle number four, it's all about nurturing, right? If you tell me that, hey, this is top of, like, this is in the roadmap, then I should, like, that's my responsibility to follow up with you in three, four, five, six months, whenever you're ready. But you cannot force the need. I mean, I need to be very proactive. And the last and probably the most important is relationships. As an agency owner, any agency you know you speak to is like, hey, how'd you build your agency? It's like, hey, it's all built on relationships and it's all built on referrals. You can use outbound to build relationships get them on like what you're doing, get them on the podcast, get them uh, on a webinar, get them on a content. It doesn't matter. Like if you know that that relationship is going to materialize in one, two, three, four years, do it. Uh, but like you have to build your agency one relationship at a time. And that's what I do internally, right? Because those relationships will lead to more opportunities, more referrals, more guest speaking opportunities, whichever. So I think those are the five things um, I would, that I've learned and I've, I've kind of uh, implemented it. Uh, at my agency. Yeah, awesome. I, I think this is a really great list. I, I wrote the things down here. Uh, and, and I think, you know, point number five, you know, I may argue that that should be number one, uh, just because I think <laughs> every, every, I mean, maybe they're not actually in a specific order, yeah. but yeah, they're but, not in a specific order, just like the five that I came to mind. <laughs> yeah, but every business 
you know, regardless is, is built on relationships. Uh, maybe you're not, you know, if you're using a, a product like, you know, Shopify, maybe you're not talking to the CEO, but you probably have a rep that you're talking to, or you have a relationship with that brand in some way, which is another thing you pointed to. So I think that uh, that relationship thing is so key. And it was another thing I, I learned on LinkedIn and someone was talking about, you know, let's forget about B2B and B2C. Let's talk about H to H, human to human, because that's 100%. really what it's going to boil down to is you're going to talk to people, you're going to build relationships. So I think that's how you build uh, any company. Uh, and I think it's a really, really important thing. Uh, and marketing and sales is probably the the avenue to creating those relationships. You first heard about them because you saw a white paper or you found them in a Google search. Then you reached out and you talked to some sales rep. That's the start of a relationship. And then it's going to grow from there. So I, I really like uh, that. But this is a great list as well. Yeah, for sure. I just shared on the Zoom chat there the link uh, uh, for you. Yeah, but, we can share that in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. But to your point on the relationship side, like it's critical, um, especially in professional services, because like I remember like the first pr proposal I wrote, the guy's like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, I'll come back to you. And then like eight months later, he called me out of the blues. Like, okay, now I'm ready. Like, I didn't do <laughs> anything. All I did was I gave him in all the information he needed up front. I'm like, hey, this is my playbook. This is what I want. This is the proposal. Like, let me know when you're ready. And like, he was ready after eight months, right? And we did that engagement for a few months and then he's like, okay, fine. Like, I got what I need. So like, uh, I think staying top of mind is like critical and building those relationships as you go, but like not being too salesy or cheesy about it. Like, don't like, it's, it comes, it's very easy to tell when like, you're talking to somebody and like they want like they want to sell you something like when i go into my calls i'm like hey like what are your problems okay your problems are one two three i create a google drive folder i'm like here's a bunch of resources that solve problems one two and three with or without me go ahead you can execute it like yeah i'm happy here's my calendar like book a time with me and i'm happy to walk you through it the only time we need to engage is when i get other people other than me involved and that's usually what boomerangs back so i hope yeah. that was helpful yeah, I think so. And, and you, you made me think of, I was talking to another uh, sales expert and uh, we were on a Zoom call and in the background, I could see this quote and he said, don't be a salesy weirdo. And I just <laughs> I love, love that, that. because love you, know, you could go through like the sales process, you can be very robotic. And at the end of the day, you know, to your point, you're establishing a relationship. So think about how you would establish any relationship and don't be a weirdo about it. Just be yourself, yeah. make a connection, be genuine and then let it evolve. And I think you have to put a lot of potential relationships into the hopper before they start coming out. Sometimes it takes eight months. Sometimes it might take eight years. Who knows? Yeah. But you need to put a bunch in there and just create relationships. And to me, I don't consider myself a salesperson, but I like building relationships. I like talking to people. So why don't I just do that and not be a weirdo? So I think that's... Yeah, I love that quote. I feel like that should be on a t-shirt somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. For every salesperson. <laughs> Yeah, for uh, sure. That's the, that's your onboarding. Don't be a weirdo. Go yeah. close, close deals. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, the other point that, that really sticks out as well that you made is the first one, building a brand. Uh, so I'm just, I mean, I kind of know what, why I think it's important to build a brand, but I'm curious your thoughts. Like why should, why should someone build a brand in, in 2021? You know, it's funny. If you asked me this question a year ago, I'm like, oh, screw Brad. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, go outbound, baby. Like, again, outbound, bro. I don't know if that's a real thing, but uh, I was just, like, completely focused on that element. Um, it's super important. Either you build a corporate brand or a personal brand. Personal brand, like, there's a, like, I'm, I'm still need work at it, but there's a lot of literature out there 
uh, you're pretty good at it. So just, uh, I'm sure any of your followers will figure that out. But I think it's really important because to my point, everyone will Google you at one point and they will look for you. Uh, they will look for you online and you need to be, it's better that you're out there saying like, hey, this is me rather than somebody else saying, this is my opinion about you, right? right? And the way you triumph with that is like really making sure, you know, it could be you posting out on LinkedIn. It could be you're writing a lot of guest articles. It could be your podcast. It doesn't matter, but you need to be able to build subject matter expertise by your brand, by just talking about your space a ridiculous amount and saying, why is that space broken? Because everyone has their opinion on like, I personally like believe outbound is broken and sales is broken for a lot of organization and I'm happy to talk about it for days, right? Whether you listen to me or not is secondary, but like I can go and talk about it, put it out there. So if anybody does search about it, like, okay, this guy like seems to be a little bit passionate about this space. So like I should jump on a call because he may have something worthwhile to say, right? Um, I think if you're not doing that, um, you're just going to be left behind and your conversion rates are just going to really be signal digits, right? Uh, I tried converting bigger accounts when I had no brand, like no website, bare minimum, and like it was really tough. Now we run a campaign and like it's very easy to jump on a call and be like, hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Here's some references. Check out these case studies. Here's some content pieces. Let us know when you want to engage. And like, like we can methodically figure that out going forward yeah absolutely and you know uh you know maybe take me took me a little bit longer to understand the value of brand and you know i came from the performance marketing space and so we didn't care too much about brand we cared about conversions and commissions and sales and stuff yeah. uh but like you said if you if your brand is well known and trusted it will convert better so they're not totally opposites they're not in a silo your brand can influence your email open rates. It can influence your conversion rates, your likelihood of booking a demo that might lead to a sale. So brand is so, so important. I think it's the thing that really leverages and creates a lot of scale for performance to do its best. Because uh, if you just look at performance in a silo uh, without brand, uh, I, I think that uh, you, the, the KPIs, the numbers you can hit are going to be lower than if you have a strong brand. I think you can oh, over... Sure overachieve so for sure like and i'm i guarantee you like again we can have talk about it's pages but like just look at the deals you closed before and after your branding exercise or whatever your branding exercise could be it could be a content play it could be a podcast so it doesn't matter and you you it, the numbers will speak for itself <laughs> i can confidently say that after doing that for looking at my number six months before and six months after uh, the, the content and website revamps we've done internally yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I'm just looking at this blog post. It's the five principles any digital agency founder should follow to drive revenue. Uh, I would argue you can probably use that outside of just for agencies, but for specifically for agencies, definitely check it out, check it out. And it looks like it's a, a great list. So worthwhile uh, checking out. Uh, where else can uh, people learn more about Growth Rhino uh, or maybe find you, follow you uh, on LinkedIn, Twitter? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll post my LinkedIn handle as well. Um, just LinkedIn, I check it usually once a day or once every other day. I'm not super active on it, but I'm there. Um, and then, um, yeah, growthrhino.com is the easiest because my calendar is there. People can book a 20-minute chat right on the cool. homepage if they just want to chat uh, about anything outbound related or sale or just want to say hi. I've gotten those as well. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Twitter, uh, it's at Ahan Isaacs. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your 
uh, experience and insights. I especially love this list. Uh, I think that that's really great and people should check out the blog post. Uh, and thanks so much for being here. Perfect. Thanks for having me, Mike. You take care. You too. Bye.